Hello, and welcome to The Sea Brigade, a broad church podcast. My name is Ken. I'm the host of this, as of right now, one-man show. And I think it's only appropriate, since this is the first episode of a podcast, that I introduce myself, since I am your host. And you ought to know where I'm coming from in relation to, you know, broad church. So, you know, what's my history with the show? How do I like it? What other shows do I like? How did I hear about it? Stuff like that. So I'll try to keep this brief, because you're not here for me, you're here for Broadchurch. And the the Sea Brigade, of course. So once upon a time, I I saw a trailer for a show called Grace Point, um, which, if you don't know, is the American remake of Broadchurch, starring two actors I very much like, David Tennant and Anna Gunn, from Doctor Who and Breaking Bad, respectively. Uh, Two shows that I absolutely... I love them. And, you know, Grace Point, at the time, I thought, looked pretty great. Um, But I never watched it. In the fall of 2014, David Tennant was on his big media tour, you know, doing all the late-night talk shows, talking about Grace Point. And uh, and on one of them, he mentioned that Grace Point was a remake of Broadchurch. And from that moment on, when I knew that there was a British version of the show, and that David Tennant was also in this version, I just had a gut feeling that it would be better. So... I assumed it was much better, but it still took some time for me to sit down and watch Broadchurch. But when I did, it happened very quickly. I sat down on Netflix and watched the whole thing in four days in December of 2014. So yes, I'm here hosting a Broadchurch podcast, having watched the entire series um, less than a month ago for the first time so you know what can i say obviously the show captured me and it has all the detective stuff that i really like it has like your investigative work from true detective and fargo the small town mystery of twin peaks and of course the absolute joy that is david Tennant. i imagine in all due time you'll learn more about me the types of shows i like and how i feel about series one of Broadchurch. But without further ado, let's start talking about Broadchurch series two. I have a bunch of notes to help me guide through this, so I'm not just uh, babbling into the microphone. So we're starting with what has to be Sandbrook. The episode starts with like a shot of flowers and young girls in a forest and a lot of rain, and it doesn't really feel like anything we've ever seen in a Broadchurch before. And when it cuts to Hardy, it's like, what, what else could this be? This is a Sandbrook flashback, without a doubt. And we see that he's uh, he's got a cool new seaside home in Broadchurch, and it's perfectly sized for one sad, struggling detective. Something I didn't notice the first time I watched is that when Hardy goes inside his new home, he's got a slip from the doctor, and it just says, R.E., in response to your procedure. So obviously Hardy's either had some kind of medical procedure or a doctor is suggesting that he get a medical procedure. He's taking pills and it's it's a very bleak beginning to series two of Broadchurch. And that's when he gets a call from uh, Oliver, uh, who I'm not a huge fan of. So uh, Hardy, obviously some scheduled interview between Oliver and Maggie for whatever the name of their paper was, but it's some interview and he's kind of putting Oliver in his place just time and time again. And I absolutely love that. Did I mention I'm not a fan of Oliver? Because I'm not a fan of Oliver. And that com- that's going to come up a lot in these notes. So during the middle of his interview, he keeps getting mystery texts from a woman named Claire, who at this point, I'm like, is that Hardy's wife? Maybe his estranged daughter? Because I'm thinking, who else could it be? So the reporters are kind of jerks. I kind of think Maggie and Oliver are kind of both being assholes or arseholes. Arseholes? Arseholes? 
in the background of the interview shot, Maggie points out that the cliffs of Broadchurch, the iconic cliffs of Broadchurch, are falling apart. She says, like, oh, there's there's a cliff fall. They're happening more frequently nowadays. That cliff falls recent. They're getting more frequent. Things fall apart. Hardy just says things fall apart and I feel like we're going to look back at this line and it's just it it will just have foreshadowed so much about what's happening because there's so many things that are falling apart in this episode trial Sandbrook just relationships in Broadchurch in general I think that line things fall apart is going to mean a lot to series two so we find out that Tom is not living with Ellie anymore just between the conversations between Hardy and Oliver, and that's particularly sad. I didn't see that coming from the end of series one. I didn't kind of get the idea that Tom was going to separate from Ellie like that. Speaking of Ellie, when we see her for the first time in the series, she's kind of turned to a non-trusting, hard-ass cop, and her partner gives her a hard time about not giving people chances, and I can only see this as helping her this series. She is a cop who, while she's obviously not enjoying this having to be tough thing, I think she's she's going to benefit from learning from her mistakes. In series one, she was critical of Hardy for asking tough questions to everyone. And I think she's going to learn not to doubt herself, just to ask everyone, not to trust. So yeah, she's not having a good time, but I think she's probably changing for the better this series. We see that Paul is talking to Joe Miller. Yeah, Paul the Priest, talking to Joe Miller, who is now um, fully gross and evil-looking, to me at least. The actor playing Joe never really seemed like gross and suspicious until he was revealed, you know, to be who he was at the end of uh, Series 1. And now he just kind of seems full-on, just, like, unsettling to me. Something about his nature, his looks, his facial expressions, he just gives me like the heebie-jeebies like i'm afraid of i'm afraid of joe so after you know paul and says a prayer for joe and yada 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 we cut to nigel filling a kiddie pool for uh beth in the latimer home i mean beth is super pregnant at this point so the only thing i can think is that nigel is filling a kiddie pool full of water because beth plans on giving birth at home in like a natural water birth and i don't is that even how it works um am i totally off base and is beth that ready for a baby that like they're going to have a tub full of water ready at a lot of my house 24 7 in case she's ready to give birth so we cut next to the wessex crown court i don't know if that's a real courthouse we cut to the courthouse and everyone expects joe to plead guilty we see some shots of uh judges in britain and I think that's, well, as an American, I I really like that. The judges, and I guess you don't call them lawyers. I guess they're called barristers. Everyone's wearing white wigs. For some reason, I, I love that. That's kind of amazing, the, the white wigs. Anyway, so Har- Hardy meets the Latimers at the courthouse. And I just took a note here saying that their relationship seems healthy. I guess I'm just surprised. I mean, like, the Latimers seem so detached from the Millers. I, I guess I'm happy to see that Hardy and the Latimers can be nice to each other. We see that Beth is upset about Becca being in the courthouse. And it pans over to Lucy, who's also in the courthouse. I believe, like, the reason she's upset is Becca. But it kind of pans to both of them. 
after Beth is like super upset about seeing someone in the courthouse. And I like that Mark Latimer is at least giving Ellie a break. Beth is like, oh, I can't believe she had the nerve to come. And Mark seems to try to calm her down. Like, hey, let's get through this, not throw shade. And also this mysterious Claire shows up. As soon as she shows up, I, I scratch off the possibility of her being Hardy's daughter. Much too old. Could still be his wife or ex-wife. But, that, you know, that's the only possibility I'm, I'm kind of open to at this point. So she keeps going on about, oh, he's following me, he's after me, he's back. And the only thing I can think is, he has to be the Sandbrook killer. I mean, who else would that be? But Hardy says that um, he's not in the country, he's got tabs on this sort of thing. But just to be safe, Claire should use the, the back exit of the courthouse. And something about that I, I, I love. It's like, the, it's one of the first lines in this episode. Like, David Tennant is on his game as Hardy. He's just dropping funny lines all the time even though this is a fairly serious episode so the next note i have is that joe shows up to the court hearing behind a big glass cage it's super clinical and weird and spooky is that how all british sentencing like trial type things go like does everyone stand behind a silence of the lambs like glass box but i i love that of course joe miller is asked to plead guilty or not guilty and he pleads not guilty which turns out to be a great bombshell joseph michael miller you are charged with murder contrary to common law the particulars of the offense are that on the 18th day of july 2013 you murdered daniel latimer of four spring close broad church dorset how do you plead guilty or not guilty No guilty. Your Honor, sorry. Um, can I just ask for the indictment to be put again? Come Joe. You know what happened. Sit down. I said, sit down. Like, it, you really feel the impact that pleading not guilty has on everyone in that courtroom. I have to stop and say that it's honestly a pretty impressive feat when, in a drama like this, someone is asked to plead guilty or not guilty. And I don't think, you know, for drama's sake, not guilty is the obvious one to go with. And to make that still really interesting is, I think, quite a feat. I mean, they really do a great job. The atmosphere is fantastic. We keep panning to our little broad church cast, and no one can believe how outrageous this is. Mark Latimer has a great outburst, and I, I think it's done really well. For something that you probably could have seen coming, it's done really well, and still feels really surprising, because you can see how surprising and devastating it is to all the characters, especially Ellie and the Latimers. And we even see Oliver crying. I've said over and over again, I'm not a fan of Oliver. And I know that, like, Danny Latimer is, like, his cousin. I, somehow I still don't buy that Oliver and Maggie would start crying about this because, like, less than an hour later, he's already finished up his article about this. So he's being real professional about... <laughs> This not guilty verdict. Um, Hardy breaks this mood into the ladies' room. 
to get Ellie, you know, out into a safe spot. Again, delivering just hilarious lines like, I'm cleaning in here, get out, go, 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 and kind of chasing a woman out of the ladies' room. It's kind of amazing. Again, we, we reestablish that Tom doesn't want to be seen with Ellie, and I just think that's like one of the saddest developments in this first episode. Um, there's something really bumming me out about the idea that of all things ellie maybe could have depended on is her kids like after how devastating you know finding out that her husband's a murderer like she could have depended on her kids and she doesn't she doesn't have tom and alec asks do you want a hug people do that uh it's great I, i i can't underscore enough just how great tenet is as this alec hardy just completely detached but trying to do the right thing for people that's kind of amazing is he funnier this episode than usual write in to cbrigadepodcast at gmail.com let me know i feel like he's funnier than usual this episode and ellie's kind of funny too despite they're both going through tragic times i laughed pretty hard at ellie running out of the bathroom running into the wet floor sign and being like ah did you put this here Grr. like she's so she's so angry she doesn't really think straight about like uh, it's kind of great so the next on the note he is um joe miller being uh legitimately scared of jail time i suppose he's explaining to his barrister please let me know if i'm getting these these terms wrong or his counsel he's explaining why he changed his um decision at the last minute to plead not guilty and she's not happy about it but you know something needs to be done Joe's obviously afraid of going to jail as a child killer. So the next thing we see is Paul and Becca, the innkeeper, giving a you know a little smooch, a little kissing in public. And is that supposed to be like a a new mystery, like a new like controversy or a thing to look out for in Broadchurch? Because if so, that is a snoozer. And um, twenty quid is just about the right price for that boring a piece of news from from lucy oliver wasting his money on trivial like who's kissing who stuff though lucy drops a pretty cool tidbit she's like oh i guess i'll have to give my evidence and oliver's like what do you mean by that (laughs) so you know lucy's dropping like an "Uh uh-oh what did she say I, I certainly hope if she has evidence to give this time around, it's a little bit juicier than what she was able to give Ellie last time. I feel like it had quite a high price for a little bit of information. suppose what happens next is that we see Claire and Hardy interacting. Claire apologizing for meeting Hardy in the courtroom. And this is when I wrote down is that, uh, I guess at this point, is I eliminate the idea that she's Hardy's wife, ex-wife. Because she doesn't seem like the cheating type the type that would lose critical evidence in the Sandbrook case. She seems very attached, kind, and devoted to Hardy, which really doesn't match the description of the ex-wife that we got earlier. Uh, the next one I have is that Maggie disturbs poor Charlotte Rampling, who's just trying to listen to an audiobook. I love that Charlotte Rampling's character, uh, Jocelyn, obviously doesn't respect the work that Maggie does. She's like, ah, oh, I can get through more than 300 words at a time. Ah, like, I I get enough sentimental crap from your rag. I love Jocelyn. Oh, my God. So, Jocelyn has some sad past reason for not taking a legal case. She tells Maggie to save the violins. She's not taking the Latimers on as clients. 
she should save the violins for herself. She's obviously, you know, got some sad past about, like, a trial case gone wrong, and that's why she hasn't done any cases in three years. We cut to the Latimer household, and Chloe seems more competent than ever. Beth is complaining about some vague paperwork that, in Mark's absence, it's kind of piled up on her. And Chloe's like, ah, get your fat butt out of here, I'm gonna do it. That's nice. I like to see some, you know, character progression. Next thing we get is, uh, Nige accidentally outing Mark for not being at work. So we get, like, a shot of Beth calling Mark's phone, and he's letting it, he's letting it ring, he's ignoring it. And, uh, really the only thing I feel confident in saying is that Mark is definitely not cheating. I just feel so strongly that he's not cheating. But, like, the next thing I have is that we have a shot of Hardy in a field finding out that the guy bothering Claire, so, like, the Sandbrook killer, obviously, but the guy bothering Claire is indeed in the country, and it leads to this amazing line, like, What's even the point of you, Craig? (laughs) He's so angry at this guy, Craig. It's kind of a goofy scene, but in a way that I absolutely adore it. If we look at the serious implications of this, it means some guy named Craig, who is obviously, like, you know, tasked with keeping tabs on this potential killer, finding out whether or not he's in the country. He's supposed to let Hardy know if he enters the country, and he's been in the country for three days. So, what is even the point of you, Craig? I'm so sorry. Oh my god. I love that line, though. Uh, um, so Hardy's little seaside shack is totally busted up. The Sandbrook guy, obviously, rummaging through there. He didn't break into Hardy's, um, like, secret document thing. Like, he opens up a compartment. He browses. He, it looks like his stuff's all right. But what he did take were the notes from Hardy's doctor. So whoever this, you know, I assume guy from Sandbrook at this point. He's got um, these notes about the medical procedure that Hardy had. I don't know what he'll do with that. That might reveal that Hardy is weak. Um, We know that Hardy couldn't really um, chase Joe Miller for a long on foot. So that Hardy is physically weak might be valuable information to a killer. She Okay, so Sharon is given the case about Danny Latimer's murder, and it's really disturbing to me that these lawyers, barristers, whatever, they think that the Joe Miller case stands a chance. Like, Joe Miller stands a chance of being proven not guilty. And something about that is, like, deeply disturbing and unsettling and exciting. It means we really have something to work with for series two of Broadchurch because the Joe Miller case you know we really have a fight on our hands now and that's that's exciting stuff Ellie is then um having really violent thoughts she's obviously in some therapy and she's having really violent thoughts about her husband I didn't really get much on this scene Ellie's going through some hard times a part of me doubts that she'd ever become as violent as her thoughts but we might look back at the scene one day and be like oh yeah this totally foreshadows when she went on that killing rampage i I don't think ellie has that kind of violence in her but or i hope not what's really sadder though in this therapy session is that she's thinking about one day returning to Broadchurch and thinking that she can deal with the, the looks and stares as long as justice is done i'm not sure she ever can return to broad church or that she ever will in the same capacity that she used to be you know just like friendly neighborhood cop like those days are over then we cut to joe asking paul about about ellie you know how she's doing 
obviously um i don't get the idea that joe cares about paul like i don't think joe miller gives a shit about paul because paul's there he's like i prayed for you i was you know you were supposed to plead guilty now you're putting us through all of this um, Paul's really upset, and then Joe's play seems to be that nobody's innocent. Some of that comes off as a threat. I don't know if Joe would have dirt on Paul, but maybe that's Joe's play to get out of this, is to tear Broadchurch apart with all its secrets. Like, you ever think about that? Like, everybody has so many secrets in the show. Could Joe blackmail people from prison? Like, does he have dirt on Paul that can make Paul want to testify in Joe's favor to stand up for Joe's character? So Hardy then lets Ellie in on the whole Sandbrook-Claire stuff. Again, I laugh pretty hard at Ellie and Claire not really being able to stand Hardy just kind of throwing the two of them together. Like, they're upset and tired of dealing with Hardy like this. Um, then the Latimers meet Jocelyn on the beach, which is a great looking scene. <laughs> it's the amount of people meeting on the beach is starting to be, feel a little bit like, oh my God. Though if I lived in Broadchurch, I'd be at that beach all the time. Anyways, the Latimers meet the Jocelyn, uh, the Latimers meet Jocelyn on the beach and Mark and Beth uh, make very different pleas as to why Jocelyn should take their case. Mark is arguing for the sake of Broadchurch. Like, this town needs the peace of seeing Joe Miller get justice. And Beth is very much out for herself and the baby. She needs someone to suffer. And she, she needs Joe Miller to go to jail so that she feels like she can raise his baby. Jocelyn gets very visibly upset and is like, leave me alone. She she backs out of there. I love Charlotte Rampling. She's doing a great job in that role. So we cut back to Hardy's, like, secret hideout. And he's revealing to Ellie that he's kept a Sandbrook witness an unofficial witness protection and that's who claire is and that's a pretty you know for, for me at least that's a pretty significant bomb for series two to have to handle like on top of this joe miller like trial we have all the sandbrook stuff too and you know definitely after series one sandbrook was teased so much that we definitely wanted something out of sandbrook i i, I hope the show balances sandbrook and the trial well and I, and I think they will. So we return to the woods from the introduction, like the shot of what Sandbrook is, like the the purple flowers, the the woods, the Sandbrook cousins, whose names are Pepper and Lisa. And our top suspect is a man named Lee Ashworth. And Claire is Claire Ashworth. Claire's husband is the Sandbrook killer. Or the person Hardy and Claire both super suspect is the Sandbrook killer. And Hardy convinced Claire to testify against her husband. That didn't go as planned because the case fell apart because of Hardy's wife leaving evidence in the car. You remember the locket? So Ellie and Claire both have murderer husbands. So I, I suspect they'll have that conversation at some point in the future. Hardy reveals that... Um, he only came to Broadchurch to protect Claire. It's, you know, Claire's like, oh, I've been here for seven months. And Ellie's like, oh, that's impossible. That must mean... <gasps> I'm like, Hardy's like, yeah, I, I, I came to Broadchurch Broad to protect Claire. Though I, that doesn't seem like 100% solid. Because we, we remember from Series 1, he obviously had some childhood history there. It couldn't have been the only town with an opening. But in any case, I, I, I kind of like that idea. It further separates Hardy and Ellie. Like, Ellie's brings up again that Hardy kind of stole her promotion. It makes it even angrier to think that he didn't even really want to come to Broadchurch for any other reason than to, you know, his own case. Anyway, yeah, I, I like these developments. I like Claire. She calls Ellie's other son or daughter, like, a puppy. I'm kind of into that relationship. 
and how it uh, develops. Anyways, Sharon, um, the barrister, uh, tells Joe Miller to shut up. Obviously, her biggest thing in taking Joe Miller on as a client is that she has to undo his confession and all the evidence that Hardy and Miller have stacked against Joe. And it's going to be difficult. I can't help but think, so Joe is saying, I can't go to jail, not as a child killer. I can't help but think that um, perhaps what Sharon is going to be looking at is not perhaps proving him completely innocent, but maybe changing uh, the charges of some sort so that, like, some lesser charge. I mean, I don't know how the British system works, but, I mean, if it could be completely classified as an accident, not as murder, I mean, I don't know. This whole trial of Joe Miller is definitely the most engaging thing that Series 2 has going for it so far. Then we find out that Mark, where Mark's been this whole time, uh, Mark's been playing FIFA with Tom Miller, which is, like, deeply unsettling, because it's like, what's he getting at? Is he replacing Danny? Like, he says something about, like, oh, just like Danny used to do, but it's just, it's really weird. Right, yeah, so what happens is the Latimers are watching TV, and they're finding out who Joe Miller's, like, representatives are, like his barristers. And then, like, Jocelyn's at her home watching TV, and she sees that Sharon's the one taking the case, and she's like, oh, no, that's unfair. So they haven't met yet, but this incites Jocelyn to take a case. You, you can kind of see it in her eyes. The two have some history. Back to Mark and Tom playing FIFA. I'm sorry I'm jumping around a little bit, but, um, like, how much older did Tom get? I guess, like, he looks way older than he used to. And something I didn't think about the first time I was watching, but Mark and Tom are hanging out in the old gross Trailer Woman's trailer. Like, that must... I don't know why I think this but i just feel like it must smell bad like she didn't look like a good smelling person and she had a dog so it's just blah. also um didn't tom miller uh, know or hear that mark like hit danny like even once or twice like so like i don't know it just seems to me like uh, tom's got not the greatest judgment to be so quick to like hang out with mark and meet up and play fifa in this trailer that no one else knows he has access tom is asking for bad news oh my gosh ellie goes rummaging through like the secret hardy claire base and finds out that claire's from southampton which is cool because they got some friends in southampton shout out to y'all sharon and jocelyn marie marion jean baptiste and charlotte rampling all right so that's uh sharon and jocelyn they have their encounter on the Broadchurch beach which is i think maybe my favorite scene in all of series two episode one because it's just like two armies meeting right before a battle because you know it's going to start right now it's their first confrontation it's really exciting the two intimidate each other like jocelyn tries to use like the, i don't want to outsmart my pupil but obviously they're they're intimidating each other like they're they're both a little bit nervous about each other they have some kind of nasty history between each other and i really get the idea that jocelyn like wouldn't defend a friend or family member of Sharon's. Jocelyn tells Sharon she's taking the case. Sharon goes, oh, you're going to do it for them, but you wouldn't do it for her. And then she, like, she stops. And earlier in the episode, we know that Sharon has some kind of bad reputation that she thinks taking the Danny Latimer case, it will repair her image somehow. So after their confrontation, there's kind of a storm brewing at Broadchurch. Uh, we see the cliff, much darker than usual. It looks about like it's about to rain. It's an image of Broadchurch that I don't think we see very often, like rain, gloom, stuff like that. 
She Jocelyn storms into the Latimer house. She's taken the case, but she's got really bad news. And she's trying to prepare the Latimers. She says truth and justice are two very different things. You know, she she corrects the uh, she corrects the Latimers that it's not truth they're after. It's justice. To me, what it sounds like is that Jocelyn's not interested in the truth. She's interested in what it takes to put Joe Miller in jail. And if that means skirting around the truth or knowing fewer truths, like not letting the truth get out there. Because if the truth is anything other than Joe Miller killed Danny, if, if the truth in any way helps Joe Miller, it sounds like Jocelyn is not interested in the truth. And she warns the Latimers that Sharon is going to play dirty and she's going to play very fast. While Jocelyn's at the house giving them the bad news, Tanny's already being exhumed from the graveyard, which is just, it's a really, un, like, it's just an awful moment. And Hardy and Paul and Ellie, they're all upset about it. But then when the Latimers get on the scene, like, it just, it's intense. I couldn't help but notice Mark's super angry and he starts shouting, but he kind of fires his his anger past Ellie more towards the investigators, like the people who are digging him up who are responsible for this. And Beth fires her anger directly at Ellie. So I really see this this has to keep continuing, I think, for the Latimers. And I would hope eventually evolve by the end of the series, like Beth learns to get along with Ellie, but Beth is super ticked at Ellie and we, we get a shot of Sharon uh she could not care less what is going on if she can find out something to help Joe Miller from looking at Danny's body one more time she she's already done it she is out you know for her interest in winning this case and beating Jocelyn in this fight so yeah so the last shot we get and um I love Broadchurch, but this is the type of stuff that makes you feel like more Twin Peaksy, more like oh really like that's also happened Danny Latimer exhumed we have sharon and jocelyn kind of like going at each other and then hardy and ellie see a distant figure up on like a hill and it's lee ashworth the lead suspect in the sandbrook trial he's looking down and it's just like dun 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 and i love it because it's like oh like sandbrook and broadchurch cases they're not just separate things they're very much somehow going to intertwine hardy is going to have to deal with both of these things at once ellie's going to have to deal with both of these things at once i get the idea that lee ashworth would probably use this chaos he's just witnessed to his own advantage somehow um but yeah i reached the end of my um notes and i see right as of right now i'm like going around 41 minutes um which congratulations if you sat and last like listened to me, one person, talk about Broadchurch for this long, I hope I've done a great job, or an okay job even. Of course, I, I've been uh, putting this out there over and over again. This is a podcast that's going to need listeners, because without listeners, I'm just a person talking into a microphone, reading some notes about Broadchurch. So listener feedback, that means emails and voicemails. Those are things that are going to really help build this into a denser richer podcast so if you uh, send your emails there's no way i'm not gonna read your email like i'm definitely reading emails on this thing as of right now like everything that gets sent in is going to be read like i'm going to value the heck out of your input if you send it in if you send in a voicemail of a suitable length you know like fewer than 10 minutes it'll probably make it on i'm excited to 
get to know listeners to meet people on the broad church subreddit the broad church like twitter community i don't know gonna be looking out uh for for listeners and uh i'll respect everyone who shows up to listen to this thing finally uh just to wrap up since it's been uh 40 something minutes i feel like uh, it's be very easy to get to the end of the episode and forget all the little weird mysteries and stuff so um something i'm going to do at the end of every episode is kind of structure the loose threads we have going on here and try to be like what are the mysteries we have left so starting from the least interesting mystery we have um, paul and becca because that was implied to be maybe something of note um but that's like the least interesting mystery we have going on right now then after that we have lucy's evidence if we forget lucy is ellie's um sister and ollie's mother and she implied she had some kind of evidence to show at the trial. Uh, next, we have Mark and Tom. So just wondering, you know, what is Mark getting at with hanging out with Tom? It was kind of implied that was the first time they've hanged out, but, like, what are they planning on doing? Then after that, I think the second to most interesting thing going on this season is Sandbrook. Finding out what happened in Sandbrook. Is Lee Ashworth guilty? What's the deal with Claire? What's the deal with Hardy? Does Hardy think he could fix Sandbrook? Or is he doing it for his own ends? And finally, the absolute most interesting thing in Broadchurch Series 2 Episode 1 is just the Jocelyn-Sharon like showdown. The the Joe Miller trial right, is hands down like the most interesting and most exciting thing going on for Series 2. And I can't wait for... Oh, jeez. Is it next Sunday? Next Monday? One of the episodes there. I can't wait to see the next episode. I'm so excited. Three days ago, Lee Ashworth entered the country three days ago. You're telling me now? Have you any... What is the point of you, Craig? So now it's time for a listener feedback. Like I said earlier, I'll be accepting voicemails, emails, uh, everything sent to cbrigadepodcast at gmail.com. The first piece of listener feedback is an email sent from a friend of the show, Emily, and uh, I'm just going to give it a read. She writes, I don't know what I precisely expected from the premiere of Broadchurch Series 2, but I know that I was relieved to be so fully immediately engrossed in the action. Although I trusted that Chris Chimbal, Chimbal? <laughs> though I trusted that Chris would do right by the original series and create something worthy of its lofty standards, I'm relieved that my trust was not misplaced. It's definitely odd to associate relief with this episode, since every character got the exact opposite of relief from beginning of the Joe Miller trial. But as a viewer thinking back on the first episode, it felt great for my pulse to pound, my blood pressure to rise a bit. To have characters whose happiness and well-being I care so deeply about. Knowing how much I care about Ellie, and how much I want the Latimer family to find some semblance of peace in their lives, I think it's clear that this season will try not only Joe Miller and the entire town of Broadchurch, but the fortitude of the viewer as well. Series 1 ended not happily, but with at least the idea that the Latimers might be okay. Series 2 picks up by telling us that Ellie is miserable, and Tom refuses to live with her, and Alec is played by his illness. Mark hasn't realized that this is, uh, Mark hasn't, <laughs> Mark hasn't realized that his disappearing for a long period of time looks extremely suspicious in light of his affair last season. And come on, man, do you not realize how badly FIFA time with Tom could go? 
and the entire Latimer family now must deal with Danny's body being exhumed, among other stresses of a full trial. And, oh yeah, the whole Joe Miller not guilty plea. So to quote the Tenth Doctor, no, many things about this are not good. I absolutely love this episode, and I trust that the brilliant script and acting will keep the show from wallowing in its own misery, but I do hope to get some sign of light next week, however small it may be. Stray Observations slash Predictions So it was basically set up for us to all believe that Claire was Alex's ex-wife, yes? Do you think his ex-wife slash daughter will show up in the show at some point? Uh, I believe his daughter showed up in Grace Point, but the less said about Grace Point, the better. So, Emily, I actually, uh, do I think that ex-wife or daughter will show up this season? Um, I feel like we have a lot to chew already. Um, so I, I, I don't think, um, we'll see the daughter, but maybe we'll see the ex-wife of Sandbrook needs to, um, be wrapped up in this series. Speaking of Claire, it's total gimme that we're going to learn some significant things about her this season, Yeah. As for those things are, a totally blind and completely low-stakes prediction, maybe she was an accomplice to the Sandbrook murders. Okay, so the idea being that Claire is a uh, accomplice in the Sandbrook murders. I certainly, just thinking about the, la- the final shot of um, the Ashworths uh, next to um, the missing girls in Sandbrook, um, something about the way Lee Ashworth is just sitting there smoking a cigarette. Um, I feel like we're there's definitely something uh, to Lee Ashworth. Like, I think it would be kind of ridiculous for the show to finally just start inter- introducing like comic book bad guy villains. Like, there's something about Lee Ashworth um, that just to me says like he isn't. I mean, like if he is the Sandbrook killer or kidnapper, then there's there, there's something else to it. Uh, so back to your notes, Emily. You write, poor Ellie. I just want her to give her lots of hugs and make her a strong pot of tea. Christ on a cracker, Alec. I know it's a small town, but do lock your sea hut when you pop out for a bit. You do get points for opening the season wearing your glasses, though, and for actually living in a bright blue sea hut. Probably a petty question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think Beth is having a boy or a girl? I think it'll probably be better for the family to have a girl, but for the drama factor, she'll probably have a boy. I kind of hope that Chimbal gives him a break for once and gives him a girl, though. Uh, hmm. I mean, it's a... uh, What is Beth having? A child, for sure. Um, I feel like, for drama's sake, they'll get a girl. Or, sorry, they'll get a boy. Like, they'll definitely hurt the Latimer's more and uh I mean I don't know they should get over it (laughs) like that's the risk they took when they knew they were keeping a baby like they weren't going to keep the baby on the condition that it was a girl so um right back to your notes and of course the question of the week what exactly does Joe mean that nobody's innocent Paul everyone's hiding things did he not see series one how many more secrets can possibly be revealed I know this came out snarky but I'm serious what more could possibly be hidden? You know what I'm wondering, mystery-wise, is where did um, the Latimer grandmother go? Do you remember? There was, like, a grandma who lived in the Latimer house, and I, I checked um, an IMDb, and she appeared in, like, seven out of ten episodes. And I, I, I feel like 
if she was missing from three episodes from series one, they were probably the last three. Because I feel like Grandma Latimer was in the beginning of the show and, like, never did anything. So there's a mystery. What happened to Grandma Latimer? All feedback, emails, voicemails go to cbrigadepodcast at gmail.com. First of all, I have to thank Kevin MacLeod for Beach Party, which is the fun uh, little beachy theme that goes in the beginning of the podcast because I think we need something to cheer ourselves up sometimes. I have to thank Olafar Arnold's For So Close. It's the thing that you heard at the end credits of uh, Series 1 of Broadchurch. So, yeah, thank you for listening to Sea Brigade, and hopefully I'll see you next week.